0: Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this weekend's UFC card. Here are your hosts, Zane Simon and Connor Rebush. Hey
1: everybody, welcome back to the MMA Vivisection with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Connor Rebush. We are here once again talking about this week's UFC event, going out at the Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh fight night card, USC on ESPN 36, UFC on uh UFC Vegas 54, I believe, Blahovich vs. Rakic, and uh headlined by top top ranked light heavyweight to fight. And uh we're here talking about the prelims right now with a woman's prelim or with a woman's featured prelim, and it is a featured prelim, it's a very good fight uh-huh. between Vivia Raujo and Andrea Lee. In fact, I'm not really sure what this fight is doing on the prelims, quite frankly.
2: It's, it's yeah. Good... Yeah, I'm kind of surprised they put flyweights as the main card opener, not this.
1: Yeah. Or, you know, like, Camacho Torres, I love Camacho. It'll sure. be a fun fight, but, like, this will be a fun fight, too. And yeah. it, it has a lot more divisional relevance all the way up. You know, even Davy Grant, Lewis Smolka, this is a more relevant fight. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Kudalaba. Yeah. So, ah anyway. well, women's flyweight bout: Vivia Rajo, Andrea Lee, and uh, let's just jump right in on it because I like this fight. It's good.
2: It's a it's a great matchup, and it's particularly interesting because I really really liked how Andrea Lee looked in her last fight.
1: Yeah, I don't know what she did. I don't know how because this is one of the hardest things to do in the history of ever. Uh, it is one of the most difficult athletic feats so i want to give her all credit for this
2: she looked faster she did look faster you know what i think it was mm. i think her technique got better yeah it honestly looked like you know we I, we know she had a dramatic change in environment yeah. and coaching and a couple of
1: years where she kind of drifted i think trying to figure uh-huh. out where to be
2: after and, yeah and it honestly she just Looked sharper. I don't even think she looked physically all that much faster. Her hands looked quicker. Yeah, her hands her shots are... were strung together more fluidly and quickly. Yeah, but she was still like foot slow. Yeah, she's she still looked like Andrea Lee, but she just looked smoother. Yeah. Um, and it honestly just—I just thought she just tightened up her technique. It looked like she just honed the things in her game that she was already looking to do. Uh
1: mm-hmm. huh.
2: And I really, really liked it. I mean, I loved the uh, way she used head movement. Uh, Well, first of all, her jab was awesome. Yep. I think that will be a factor here, because uh, on the feet, Arojo tends to just sort of uh, jump in. Yeah. She tends to square up a lot. I mean, I I was frustrated to no end. It It was a problem for her against Jukagian, obviously, where she just ran into several jabs. But I was—I recall how frustrated I was in her fight with uh, Jessica. I, mm-hmm. she just like kept trying to just jump in and throw some big silly. It's to just lead with a feint or a jab, and then you can throw the thing and leave your feet where they are.
1: Yeah, for a fighter who is notably faster and more powerful than most of her competition, yes, Araujo will absolutely settle for having a fifty-fifty or worse exchange. Yes, Every single minute of every single round.
2: Yeah, and it's almost in a way, I I mean, my heart is really rooting for Andrea Lee here because it would be a wonderful example of what happens when somebody less athletically gifted really works hard on getting all the technical details right versus someone who, who was a better athlete, but who was clearly still stuck at that stage in development or lack of development where she was able to outstrike people on the regionals just because she was a better athlete. Uh-huh. Uh, where she has, it, it would be a great example of how you can, in fact, be crippled by physical advantages if you don't leverage them into improvement. And um, I don't think it's impossible that that happens here, honestly. Um, so let me let me just continue saying the things that I liked about Andrea Lee that I think will be factors here. That jab, really well-timed, good alignment, uh, used it really well defensively, just as like an uh-huh. inter interruptive strike which i think will be very important here but i also really liked her head movement and how it led to counters which usually came in combination yeah um right from the jump beautiful slip uppercuts against cynthia calvillo she was landing that almost like seriously from the start she had the read she timed every time calvillo would jump in slip uppercut, and then frequently there was a left hook or a jab following as Calvillo was on her way back out of the pocket. She also slipped to the outside and came up with left uppercuts and followed those mm-hmm. with straight rights. Um, quite a nice job as the fight progressed of connecting her punches to kicks and knees too, Yep. Uh, which would be another thing. Chikagian had on numerous occasions had success. Getting Arojo to back off in a long straight line and just following her with a punch kick combination, landing a good clean low kick. Um, Lee can make that happen. Uh, I think if there's an area here where, I mean, A, the speed, Arojo is, she's going to surprise Lee with some shots. Yep. There's going to be a whipping right hand that Lee just doesn't get out of the way quick enough or is like still halfway through pivoting to a new angle and just doesn't see it coming. There's also a thing where Lee is, she is still getting down the sort of timing of her head movement. Yeah. So she'll sometimes slip on a feint and slip right into the path of a right hand, Mm -hmm. which if she had read the feint correctly, she would have slipped outside of it and moved the target as they were throwing it. But yeah, she's still a little anticipating too much with the head movement sometimes and not um, adjusting her position quickly enough when that it becomes clear that that's what's happened. Yeah. Um, so there will be a speed advantage, basically. But I, I think I'm, I would give Andrea Lee, based on that performance, an edge in the striking just on the fluidity of her game. Yeah. And the fact that when Araujo hits somebody, she doesn't often connect other things together afterwards.
1: No, and she, she takes a lot of photos, too.
2: She absolutely does. She will get into range, she'll land that shot, and then Lee will counter her. Uh mm-hmm. huh. So the real concern here is probably the grappling. Where, yeah. um, Lee's not bad. She's never been oh. bad. She's a real grinder. Um, and has a great, she, she responds to grappling situations like a wrestler. Yeah. Um, which isn't always a bad thing. She will, she will not always just give her back. She will look to reshoot.
1: Mm-hmm. That
2: tends to be her response to getting taken down is to try to sit in and reshoot, grab onto a single leg. Um, I'm pretty sure that exact exchange, exchange did happen. In Arujo's fight with Chukagian, where she, I think she caught a kick, which also Calvillo caught numerous kicks from Lee. She got out of him well, but that's a she's slow. Mm-hmm. So I, if there's a takedown, I I do see it coming out of a s- sequence like that. Yeah, a- and if I recall correctly, um, Viviane caught the kick. She sort of you know framed and pushed Chukagian down off of that. Jumped for her back, missed because Chukagian scrambled. And then Chukagian shot in. Yeah. And I think Arusha was able to go back to her back off of that and then control her for a long time. And um yeah, I can see with you know Lee being a solid scrambler, a really dogged grappler, but just being slow. I can absolutely see some moments like that happening and um and it it possibly leading to a to a finish as well. Mm-hmm. I mean I, I think Lee has been submitted before, I'm pretty sure.
1: Just once by Sarah Delelio. Early right. in her very early in her career, but it has yeah.
2: happened, and it was an arc that is still not, it's, it still does happen in her fights where she, she actually started pretty strong in that fight. And it, it was be just noted, oh, no, sorry, mm-hmm. go
1: ahead. No, no, go on. it should be noted that uh, Arajo has not submitted anybody since 2017, and yeah. all of her submissions were high risk, low re- high risk, high reward, low position submissions. Mm. She's it's only ever had arm bars and a heel hook.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, her top grappling did look really strong against Jukagian. Uh-huh. Great guard passing, good control. But um, I'm I'm gonna pick Lee. I just think Aruego. She just there seems to be a low percentageness to her entire game. Yeah, she does not have a clear understanding of how she should be putting her moves together there's there's just a lot of gaps where it's like how am i supposed to be holding my feet when i'm not actively hitting somebody how am i supposed to stand she's not adjusting position pushing for like positional advantages cracking open her opponent's defenses all these little in-between things these little wedge moves that get you in the position to do the big exciting stuff you want to do they all seem to be absent yeah and Lee has really been clearly working on her fundamentals and getting, as a slower fighter, clearly understands the importance of like getting to positions where you can then deliver good, strong strikes. Um, so I, yeah, I'm going to pick Lee. And largely off the strength of that last performance, I still think it might be a pretty damn close fight even without that Calvillo fight. But I, I thought she showed a real leap there. So I'm, I'm going to pick her for that.
1: Yeah, it's a tough one. Uh, One of the things I want to say, this is something I never thought I would ever say, um, is I actually think that Lee's kiai might be really effective. (laughs) Oh. Not something that one would ever, you know, think to say, but especially in her last... I mean, it's something she's done to, to... poorer effect over her entire career but it was something that I noticed in her last bout where she did look she looked faster she looked slicker she looked smoother and more technical in combination and one of the things that I noticed was that it felt like her uh her breathing you know the 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 determination the yell breathe Mm -hmm. really helps her set a rhythm To her Mm -hmm. striking. And helps her throw in combination.
2: You know? Yeah. yeah. I think she did still slow down a bit. But she didn't look gassed. After a a really fast pace. In just the first. Like the first three minutes. Yeah. She was out there working a lot. Yeah.
1: And I think it. You know. It helps her set. Like a non-panicked. Sort of. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Hard bitten. High output pace. In a way that's effective. Because she. Even at her worst, Lee has never been a fighter who just spammed offense out at range without a hope of landing. Mm -hmm. She may not have been fast enough to always land her shots, but she always had a pretty good idea of, like, when to throw what and how. Yeah. That was the reason that she always looked like such a good prospect. Mm -hmm. Was that it was like, oh, you know. She's she's a little foot slow and a little hand slow out there, but she has good ideas of what to do, and you can see her develop. You know, you can see her putting good pieces together, mm-hmm. and it was just kind of this idea of like, well, you know, there might always she might always be hampered physically, but. She looked, she looked
2: smoother and slicker
1: out there last time around. I think and, she
2: technically closed the gap, which is something yeah. I love to see probably more than anything else when it mm-hmm. comes to fighters developing. Is just there are ways of getting better that don't involve cutting more weight or getting much stronger. She probably maybe she sure her strength and conditioning is better too, but
1: yeah, I'm sure that a lot of her training situation is just entirely improved.
2: Yeah, previously her cardio consisted of. uh yelling at a picture of uh i don't know winston churchill i don't know who who do nazis hate (laughs) other than the
0: obvious (laughs) yeah okay let's
2: not let's not try to plumb that depth (laughs) Key eyeing at a picture (laughs) of fdr (laughs) yeah um uh, just to back up what i said about the the pace um she went from throwing 116 in the first round quite a high output yeah to 94 in round two and I think, honestly, and combining this with my recollection of the fight, um, Calvillo's output dropped by 20 strikes. I think, largely, the uh, um, Lee's um, slight drop in output had a lot to do with Calvillo just being less confident in stepping in. Yeah, Because a lot of her clean strikes and a lot of her, uh, she was letting Calvillo walk onto shots a lot and punishing her every time she tried to close the gap. And Calvillo just didn't do that as much in round two. So I, I think honestly I didn't see her look visibly tired in the way that she sometimes has after fast uh, round ones in the past. Yeah. I
1: my gut really tells me that Araujo's speed and power is going to be a big problem for Lee. Yeah. So I kind of want to pick her but I think I'm going to go with you. I'm going to I'm going to ride the Andrea Lee uh bandwagon on this one just cuz I mean partially Calvillo looks has has been in a tailspin. Oh yeah, but she looked she looked a lot better in that fight, and if she can set that kind of pace on Araujo, I have seen the ways that Araujo can fade because she is so reliant on yeah. winging power with speed. Yeah, and if if Lee can stay hard to submit and Araujo, as we said, she's been a pretty low percentage submission threat over her career, mm-hmm. then. I think it's much more likely that Andrea Lee can force Araujo into a fight that makes Araujo tired, even if Araujo's winning early, mm-hmm. than it is that Araujo will force Lee into a fight where Lee fades out of it.
2: Yeah. I, I just honestly don't know how... Like uh, Sometimes Araujo fights at a very slow pace. Yeah. Uh, if she does try to force the pace again, I think she's just going to like jump in standing square and get jabbed. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. she Like I said... And even... Fights where Araujo seems like she should have a big, big, clear margin to win. Yeah. She usually makes striking exchanges as hard on herself as she can. Absolutely. It's just always this process of every exchange is going to be equal. And yeah. I'm always, she's always going to be there to be hit if you're willing to throw and hit her. And Andrea
2: Lee will always be willing to throw. Yeah. I mean, if Jessica I, who's big and strong, but not particularly fast. Yeah. And just sort of largely beat you with jabs, then why can't Andrea Lee?
1: Yep. I agree. Lee is a very slight favorite. Opened at minus 145. Has been climbing regularly up to minus 117. Continuously, I suppose I meant to say. And... Araujo uh, opened at plus 125, dropped down to minus 104, and has stayed there. So very close odds. Both women can be had as favorite. Um, and I get it. Araujo is you. You just look at like the natural athletic gifts, the, uh, and for a long time the mechanics, and Araujo just seems seems like she was the slicker fighter. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think we. Have Closed a gap and is a a better process fighter.
2: And I think there's just there's just a lot of facade with Arujo striking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She might look slicker against a certain level uh, of athlete slash technician who just doesn't know how to deal with her. But somebody yeah. who just has reliable fundamentals and it's like oh she's just, her game is just full of full of gaps that you can just cram a wedge into over and over again.
1: Yeah. Whereas with Lee, all of you know. Uh, All of her, her losses have been close and tough. Like she will hang in even if, even if she's not running away from a lot of people in the past, she will also be right there hanging in and fighting really hard with everybody as well.
2: For sure. She's, she's a grimy fighter for sure. Yeah.
1: So, all right. Uh, that brings us to a lightweight bout. Michael Johnson, Alain Patrick, and, Mm -hmm the battle of incredibly (laughs) fragile game plans. (laughs) These two men are walking the absolute razor's edge
2: in every
1: (laughs) fight and they know it. And (laughs) that makes this fight fascinating. Yeah. Cause we all know that Michael Johnson hates grappling. Just passionately hates it.
2: Or maybe he loves getting submitted.
1: There you go. Maybe,
2: maybe <laughs> he's got a humiliation fetish. That could be it, too. We've always read that as sort of exhausted resignation when he gets taken down. And he's like, oh, God. But maybe he's like, time to relax. <laughs> <laughs> This is what I've been waiting for. That's right. <laughs> he's sitting <laughs> there with Darren Elkins on his back with Frank Tater. Tater. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, a da- it's a dangerous game when you delay tapping as long as you can, but the rush. Yeah, the rush. that's <laughs> <crazy>. <laughs> 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 crap. Oh. If only he could find his someone crap, to choke like him out.
1: belt in the doorknob.
2: <laughs> I was say, if only he could find someone to choke him out in a closet. Um, <laughs> just you find Michael Johnson dead in a hotel room with Darren Elkins just still choking him out. Oh, <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, yours was better his his just training regime is a bell in the doorknob that's very good <laughs> all right um so
1: Michael Johnson hates grappling and let's go with that he He hates it more perhaps than i i mean he he hates it at like melvin manhoff levels, yeah. Yeah. Like, it is just, it is rare to see a fighter who came up when he did, and I know that he's been at this for a while, but it's rare to see a fighter thoroughly within the modern iteration of MMA. Not an old school, you know, Melvin yeah. Manhoff is very much, like, an OG MMA
2: guy. Mm-hmm.
1: But a guy who came up in, like, the 2000s, to see them hate grappling that much... Is very weird.
2: Mm -hmm. But why are you? Why are you doing MMA?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, why aren't you? There's, I mean, now there's like karate combat and stuff. Could have
2: conceivably done boxing. get a get a good boxing coach, he's got quick hands. He's tough. Yeah, you know, he's got some already some pretty good forms. Got problems, but he could have honed that.
1: Yeah,
2: but just.
1: Started out wrestling and he, he got in, he, lo- he fell in love with boxing and he hates grappling. Yeah. Just hates it. And so he panics every time it happens and it makes him tired and it makes him mis- make mistakes and it makes him give up and it just happens over and over again. It does not matter how well he is doing in the fight. If somebody starts getting him down, he, sh- he starts to shatter. Mm-hmm. And this has been going on for so long that like, I can't imagine how you fix it. Like No, there's no fixing it now. Yeah. This was a problem against Paul Sass in twenty eleven. Yeah. Against Reza Medotti in twenty thirteen. Against Jonathan Brook Brookens, you know, in two thousand ten. Mm-hmm. This is a man who got submitted four times before he ever got to the UFC. Mm-hmm. Just and has been submit and has been submitted Pretty much annually, every year since, it yeah. feels like. Um, and by all sorts of things, too. It's not just like, oh, he gives his back.
2: Oh, or, yeah, no, it's anything.
1: It's anything. And on the other side, you have Alan Patrick, who I think it's safe to say at this point hates striking. This is a much more common MMA affliction. But Alain Patrick's entire game is basically about being as far away from you as possible. So Unless he can, he's holding you. <laughs> yeah, so he can kick and keep as much distance between you and him as possible. Or just absolutely madcap running to you and then clinching you or diving for a leg. It's very, you know... It's like Elkins, if he, without that un- understanding that Elkins has always had, that you have to brawl your way in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Alain Patrick just wants to teleport between being across the cage and being yeah. on your back.
2: Yeah, if Elon no Patrick had a, is- sort of, had a sort of blink ability, yeah, uh, he'd be a really great fighter. Yeah,
1: and he doesn't like anything in between. And he's, he gets really uncomfortable when the fight gets in those areas. And it's only gotten worse over time, I would say. I think that yeah. there was a point in the, you know, in that run where he beat, like, John McDessie and Damian Brown, Stevie Ray and Demir Hadzevich, where he
2: was kind of, you know, he was making it work. And... It's, it's probably just age. I mean, you wouldn't believe yeah. it looking at him, but the man is apparently 38.
1: Yeah. It's 38. It's age. He's had to take a couple of years off. He got knocked out a couple of times, not just Marevich Tysimov, but Scott Holtzman. Right. And I think it's just gotten to a point where it just all feels like that's not the part of the fight that he wants. And he knows that and he doesn't want to have it. Yep. So I'll make this fight comic. It it will make this fight kind of hilarious. Sure. Because Elan Patrick will be like a mile away from Michael Johnson while Johnson tries to throw much faster, cleaner, better strikes and hunt him down. And then Patrick will like run and connect with him and Michael Johnson will immediately just start to crumble. And I guess you have to pick along Patrick in that fight cuz
2: do you? My question is is along Patrick's wrestling good enough anymore?
1: Does I, I Johnson it...
2: ha- Johnson has a first layer of wrestling defense.
1: Yeah, but is it a first layer that like Alan El- Patrick is such a Sing, it's so single-minded that I don't I, just the drive for it over and over again feels like it will be crushing to Johnson at some point.
2: Maybe. Yeah, I don't know because the other thing is like I can I can easily envision Johnson just be like, oh, here's a guy who wants to run away. I'm going to pressure yep. him super hard, and he's just going to be able to hit Patrick whenever he wants. Yeah, no. I mean at least once he gets him into range by running him into the fence, he's going to be able to hit him in the body he's going to hit him and he's going to hit him with combinations yeah um yeah i'm not that sure about that i don't know like i i i typically would especially against michael johnson pick the wrestling advantage as i often do in what looks like a difficult fight but uh it really feels like two completely different fights and i don't yeah. know that i trust patrick to do a darren elkins like he yeah. kind of collapsed against mason jones granted Mason Jones does not have Michael Johnson's pathology. Yeah, that's the thing. But he mm-hmm. didn't even get in a single good takedown attempt. Like, every single one was off the back foot, and he's worse at that.
1: But you also have to, like, you have Mike, Michael Johnson against, like, Tiago Moises. Yeah, that's true. Or he's just beating his ass for a round, and then gets Insta-Achilles locked.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's true.
1: And, or or Stevie Ray, where, like, He's doing fine, and then he just gets taken down a couple times and just loses. And, like, just starts losing.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I'm still trying to find that bar. Like, I feel like Michael Johnson is so... It's it's much easier to sort of understand how it happens. Yeah. But does feel much more in flux. Like, I feel like he is actively getting worse. Yeah. Whereas Johnson really isn't. This is true. He's I mean he's always I know he's been losing. People have just figured out how to beat him, but he still looks reasonably good in, in most of those fights. Uh, at least good at the things he's always been good at. I don't know, I'll take Michael Johnson, why not? I think All if right. he makes if he makes Patrick uncomfortable enough by just pressuring him and hitting him a thousand times, then uh Patrick is not gonna get off any takedown attempts good enough to actually get to the ground. And if and if he can't, then he's probably gonna gas and flail and get hurt.
1: Yep, yeah, that's all fair. I just think that Patrick will find even, like, one, like... He just will, one. Yeah. That's all you need. He will hold up a flash card that says takedown on it, and Michael Johnson will be like, oh, no. No. <laughs> no, 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 no,
2: Not this again. Johnson's like, well, I know I know this one. Uh, <laughs> um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, after all this time, still doesn't know what's on the other side of that card. Yeah. Ah, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know I have an exam right now, but I can't think of it.
1: Right. Meanwhile Henry Hooft is just like tearing taking off his hat and stomping on it like Yeah. Henry
2: Hooft is you in hats today. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Henry Hooft wearing a fedora. That's right. Wearing a trilby. I think he'll be in the corner just, like, watching this happen, holding up a... He's got a little wallet photo of Michael Johnson. He's burning it with a lighter. (laughs) Michael Johnson is just dead to him while this is happening. Rewriting his will in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) Crossing out Michael Johnson's name. (laughs) Talking to his lawyer. Yes, can I have you initial this, please?
1: (laughs) Having Michael Johnson, like, sign it. Having it witnessed by the other corner
2: man, like, in between... (laughs) between rounds oh uh, yeah don't give up Michael don't give up yeah <laughs> but uh, please uh you, could put you don't hand. get the silver <laughs> <laughs> Henry's good silver that's right <laughs> I love has there been any coach fighter relationship that has yielded more fun for us than the Henry hoofed disappointed dad dynamic
1: I don't think so it's honestly partially it just because he's
2: like the the fruit of his labor is so good, yeah. You know, like it just it has a team that's just it's either full of really great, rapidly improving fighters or this guy, Yep. who's just the fail son that <laughs> can never ever please Henry. Yep, it's a beautiful gym. It is. It is
1: one of the most comically entertaining camps in MMA.
2: Yeah, and I think you're right. While like flip side. Also, one of the best camps.
1: Yeah, like I can see why people keep going there. You For sure, can, you can watch fighters just y- one year after another get better,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you know it, it's ra- that's kind of a rare thing, and I'm to see not just like, oh, you know, a sudden. I started training with
0: right. Dwayne
1: Ludwig or Tr- Trevor Whitman, and they taught me like some new skills to to put onto my game. And I'm out here, I'm doing them, and you see like an instant improvement, maybe, and then a plateau. Now, but just, you
2: just you just get honed, yeah. Year yep. after year,
1: yep. And for for a lot of fighters too, it's like building from nothing, just starting with yeah guys who wrestle, and just slowly one year after another, turning them into good, competent strikers.
2: Yeah, goes to show the sort of uh, J.K. Simmons from Whiplash approach. Yeah, is is apparently correct. Yeah.
1: There there are definite upsides to it, yeah.
2: Mhm. So All anyway, i right. I'll I'll take Any- a flyer on Johnson, why not?
1: Yeah, I am going to go with Patrick. I just I have That's- I
2: have I've
1: have, I have seen this rodeo too many times before.
2: Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Me too. I just I like Michael Johnson, I refuse to learn.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Gamblers refused to learn as well. Johnson opened at minus 139, got up to as high as one, minus 132, and is down at minus 150. Alan Patrick opened at plus 110, and is coming up at plus 125. All right, that brings us to a woman's strawweight bout. Verna Zanjiroba, or like against
2: Angela Hill. I think it's Zanjiroba. Zanjiroba? It's a tapped, it's just like a the, the uh Anik always says it just like a D, John mm. It's just a tapped R. Uh yeah, cool fight. Yeah. Totally very functional. <clears throat> Yeah, you sound you sound enthused. No, I, I I'm agreeing
1: with you. I just was expecting you to like take it away because it's your turn to talk about it, and I figured you would just kind of run with it. But it's you my want turn. me? To- no, I I really love this fight, Connor. I think it's an a fascinating opportunity for Angela Hill to once again gatekeep the edges of the top fifteen and try to prove that she has learned the 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 lesson, the answer to the question that has been asked of her for her entire career.
2: <laughs> what is that question?
1: Can she stop somebody from out-grappling her if they really want to out-grapple her?
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, It's an open question here. It is.
1: It has been asked of Angela Hill since day one of MMA, and we still don't have a definitive answer.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, between the two of these women, um, Angela Hill, I think... Made a made a jump and has been, I think, sl- still slowly kind of getting more comfortable, more confident um, since that initial d- jump where mm-hmm. she became invicta champ and um, just looked like she had at least come to the understanding that if she was going to get tired, she would have to like keep maintaining her pace. And we, you know, we've seen her lose plenty of fights since then where the <laughs> pace isn't quite enough, but she's still become a much more consistent fighter. Yeah, John she's you know, learned to
1: be the, basically the same fighter from round to round at this point, and whether you can much. beat that fighter in every round or not is kind of the deciding factor now, rather than Angela Hill having a solid round and then fighting on fumes for two rounds.
2: Yeah, and I mean, we still have fights like her bout with Lamosh, where it's such a torrid pace that she she does slow down in round three.
1: Sure, but it, it used to just be like, there are two different ways Angela Hill fights. There's her bouncy first round, and then there's her flat-footed second and third round. Uh-huh. And that's gone away, large.
2: Yeah, she's just much more sort of planted, stable. Yeah. She keeps her output steady. Um, John Joroba, on the other hand, has actually taken a leap quite recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would not have expected it. I thought she was going to be like... The other um
1: uh, yeah, uh you know
2: you know instantly who I'm thinking of,
1: yeah, what's her name? she wears
2: the she wears the flat brim, <laughs> she's awesome, but she's like really, really, really bad at striking,
1: yeah, the flat brim mm-hmm. thing through through me, but uh
2: what she wears like a sideways flat brim in all her post fights. oh yeah, matches.
1: yeah, 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 I was thinking of a different
2: she's got like an oversized fitted cap, she's got like yeah. That's just her sense of style. Yeah, I'm, she, I'm. It's 2022, and she's wearing a tall tee. Yeah. Who? who God damn it! Why am? I, oh, Hanata-Souza. Aha, aha! Lavinia, of course. Lavinia. I don't yeah. know why I couldn't think of that. Um. Yeah, I thought she was just going to be like her. Like she was yeah. an absolute complete mess on the feet. Like literally, no idea how to strike effectively. Yeah. Um. Could occasionally brawl with people, but even that, it's like it takes a pretty. It's a pretty low ceiling of technique that is able to shut her out of that kind of fight. Yep. And then otherwise, just really, really messy takedowns, and then sensationally good grappling. Yep. And, um, she has kind of improved both her weak points. Yeah. Her striking looks far more functional. I won't say it's good.
1: But um, she's, she's, she, she at least does what she need, you should do as a gra- as a great grappler, which is, she plants her feet. And she's very dedicated to the idea that she's going to step in and hit you.
2: Yeah, and there is a form to her combinations. She leads with a jab.
1: Yeah,
2: it's one, two, three. It's not everything. Isn't just a wild hook. Yep. Um, In fact, before I mean, a bigger problem was that it was a lot of just one and done. Yeah. And she does commit to her combinations much more than she used to. And I think almost connected to that, her wrestling seems to have improved as well. Mm -hmm. I think she has a. I think it's really just that she has a uh she does a much better job of setting up her takedowns uh, cuz yep. she actually has some functional tools from the range at which you have to start initiating a shot yep and um you know i i just don't know angela hill uh is really scrappy but there are still these just weird little quirks of her striking form yeah the way she throws her right hand, I hate. Um, she she uses her jab really well these days, but also sometimes she doesn't. I think a big problem for Hill as a striker is that she throws her head into range every single time she throws. Mm-hmm. She's very heavy on her front foot. Like This has come with, especially with her more planted style. Yeah. And she doesn't know how to kind of dip back or leave her head over her feet while she engages with her strikes. So you see a lot of fights where her jab is working, but then the opponent gets a read on it and they start countering it, and then she kind of stops throwing it as much. And so you you still see, it's almost like um, like with Rose versus Esparza, it's like a, you start to see the old pattern emerge from a different angle. Yeah. Where now, it's like Hill isn't going all out and gassing. Now it's like the opponent will come up with a pretty simple solution and she'll kind of take herself out of the fight by choice. Yeah. Because she's like, oh, I actually, I don't know how to get in anymore. I'm still feeling all right, but how do I get in with my strikes? They keep answering them. John Jerobe is not going to be coming up with, like, great calculated counters, but she's probably going to be firing back.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: And I don't know. I mean can she could can she leverage that into takedowns if she does i i would honestly just straight up pick her
1: yeah i mean i think one of the big things that you have to look at unfortunately for angela hill is that with even with the improvements she's made and the you know advances her game has taken one of the big hallmarks of her game currently is still that she's kind of has to be Bigger and stronger than her opponent or the better athlete out there um, if she can't bully her opponent in the cage a little whether through wrestling or clinching, she gets bullied back yeah and I don't think that she's I don't think she can hang out with the janjarooba in the Zangiroba in the clinch with the extreme threat of the grappling there. Yeah. So I think she's going to end up... I think she's going to end up getting taken down.
2: Yeah. I, and think that I, don't sounds, know. I think that sounds about right. I mean, Ashley Yoder yeah. got her down twice. Yeah. Of all people.
1: Yeah. If she doesn't have a game... If, if her game right now isn't uh, all flowing together, if all the parts aren't working, where she can just kind of make everything happen the way she wants it to happen... Right. Especially in tight, less less important at range, but especially in tight in the clinch and on the mat, then there it just kinda of things fall apart.
2: Yeah, I mean the way Yoder got her down is um she literally just Hill had her in the clinch mm-hmm. through a knee and Yoder kinda half ate it and just grabbed it and, and just drove her off balance. Like Hill's not either physically dominant enough in the clinch or not quite technically perfect enough to like make sure her opponent is off balance and their posture completely broken. So they just like, even if they try to grab for a knee, they're not going to keep it. Yeah. She's just kind of, Oh, I'm here. Time to start working. That's just kind of, she just kind of has a, uh, a broad brush approach to every face mm-hmm. that, uh, and John Jadoba is still a specialist and, and is tough enough, I think to even just even get beaten up if it goes to the clinch, which it almost certainly will an Angela yep. Hill fight to so just eat a knee and just turn it into a takedown and then comfortably win around.
1: Yep, that's my feeling.
2: Yeah, uh, I think I'm with you on that.
1: Odds on the bout: Genzorova is the favorite, opened at minus 140, has been trending steadily downward to minus 176. Hill is the underdog, open at plus 120, is kind of up at plus 147. So, yeah, I mean, it's just you know hill is always going to be the value for hill is always going to be in fighting as often as she can and making fights as fun as she can and winning every few a few of them you know Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: like she that even with all the progression and all the learning there's just still hard caps on how far she can go and but at the same time she can you know she can compete with people all up and down the division like there are very few easy wins to be had over Angela Hill. It's just there are very few easy victories for her to have either.
2: Yeah, she really is a classic gatekeeper. She's just a tough yeah. out for pretty much everyone except the very, very best. And even yeah. them sometimes, like, you know, Jessica Andrade. Sure, absolutely. It was a,
1: that was a tough fight. Uh, Claudia Gadella, that was a tough
2: fight. Well, I don't think. Was Cadelia still one of the best at that time.
1: Well, okay, but you know, the Andrade one
2: will will go down as I think one of the most impressive performances of Hills' career where she just yeah. hung tough and won a third round against Andrade.
1: Yeah. But uh I'm trying to remember even with the uh the Yan Jianan bout was yeah, like yeah. you know, still kind of a tough fight.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Angela Hill will Make fights tough for everybody, but everybody including, includes herself,
2: <laughs> including yeah. herself. Yes.
1: Yeah, but you know the the highlight win of her career so far. I mean, it's probably Marina Moroz. Um, and other it's like Marina Moroz and Loma me. Yeah,
2: you know? or or Souza maybe in Invicta, like. Yeah, but even
1: like that, get her. You know, just barely scraping out with a split decision in that fight. Yep. It's just, the uh, she's always going to have, it's it's always going to be a struggle,
2: unfortunately.
1: But I mean, if she just, you know, I don't know how willing she is to just embrace that reality and have fun with it, but.
2: I think she kind of is these days. Yeah. I think she doesn't seem like she's super upset about kind of being relegated to this position and her fights are always fun. Like, she's a great personality. I think fans largely love her. Like.
1: The UFC should never cut her. Like, absolutely not. If you're willing to give Andrei Arlovsky this much rope, give it to Angela Hill, too. No way.
2: And then give her a commentator job or an interviewing job or something. She's going to have, like, great chemistry with everyone. Yeah. She's charming. Like, absolutely. Keep Angela yeah. Hill around.
1: Yep. No kidding. All right. That brings us to a fight we've already talked about. Tatsuro Taira against Carlos Candelario.
2: I thought this looked familiar when I saw it on the card this morning.
1: Yep, had been booked two weeks ago and was uh, bumped back to this because of a uh, Candelario got, I would assume, COVID, considering the two-week bump back, but I don't know. They just said illness. Um and so we're rebooking it, and I I don't know that my read is going to be much different this time around. Tyra is still the much cleaner, much more technical, much sharper and more dangerous looking fighter in the cage. And the big question and problem for him is pace. Yeah, and uh, we you know we saw that just back at UFC 274 with uh, Rodriguez, where we're like, man, this kid has all the tools. I think he's going to win this fight and look great. But he doesn't fight at a flyweight pace, and that's a concern. Yeah. And CJ Vergara just went out there and was tough and put a pace on him. And I still thought Rodriguez won that fight. But, mm-hmm. you know, judges didn't, and I don't care. Like, that was... It was a tough... Rodriguez wasn't prepared for that fight. hmm And that's on him. So I think that there's a, there's a chance of that for Tyra as well. But... Candelario just is really messy and wild in a way that I think will lead him right into multiple dangerous parts of Tyra's game.
2: Yep. Yep, I agree with the read two weeks ago. I agree with it now. Um, it's, yeah, I don't even have anything to add other than just to reiterate that a Tyra's low output is going to be a serious problem unless he can come up with he just has to get even sharper. He's already pretty yeah. sharp, but he has to develop a level of consistency where it's like, I can, I can enforce this slow pace by keeping you out. Yeah. I, I, can, I can run you into my jab and then and, and move away, and you just, at a certain point, he breaks your will by just making it impossible for you to do anything to win the fight. Yeah. Um, until he gets to that point, if he ever does, and I think it's a kind of a hard goal to achieve in MMA in general because mm-hmm. there's so many ways for the other person to try to get in um but until then he's gonna be having tough fights just because he wants to uh fight at a much slower, more comfortable uh pace than anyone in the u f c is really gonna let him, and that includes Candelario, yeah, I just think Candelario is sloppy enough that
1: yeah that he'll just give he'll he'll give a grappling opening or he will give a counter shot opening that Tyra will land clean enough to make this fight his. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's kind of what I thought would happen with uh, Rodriguez last week, too. And, sure,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Like, the problem with flyweight is, even if you're a great athlete, like, it doesn't scale the same. People, you know, we all want to think that it scales where, like, oh, you know, if, that like, a flyweight would have a much worse chin than a heavyweight, because they're tinier, but it doesn't work that way. Like the the anatomy doesn't work that way. Flyweights are just, they have less power and they are still hard to, can be very hard to knock out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You don't just get to be like, oh yeah, no, I can be fighting two, two tiny guys fighting. They're going to all have the same chance of a knockout as two huge guys fighting. Because mm-hmm. It's the same thing with heavyweights. They, you know, there are some insanely durable ones out there. But there are plenty of big dudes who have the durability of um, who don't have the durability to take the power they're wielding.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So if Candelario is just hard to knock out, then Tyra could just be in for a rough a rough night. Yeah, but Tyra's also a pretty good grappler, so
2: yeah, should be a good saving grace. There,
1: there's, there are multiple avenues here. Uh, odds on the bout. Tyra is still the favorite, opened at minus 250, jumped up to minus 212, and is currently down at minus 247. Candelario opened at plus 210, dropped down to plus 175, is currently up at plus 199. That brings us to a middleweight bout. Nick Maximov, Andre Petroski. Two men who are making it work in the UFC middleweight division despite my thoughts that they would struggle really hard almost immediately.
2: Um, Yeah, let me just start by saying that um, Andre Petrovsky versus Hu Yaozong was the greatest fight of all time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I appreciated it for just how stupid it was at the time. Yeah. But that was a 1998 fight. Yes. In the best way. Zero defense. Both men throwing the same one punch over and over again and both landing. Yep. Petrovsky more so than Yao Song, which added a sort of pride freak factor. There's like this visibly much bigger man who just keeps walking into the same left hand. Yep. And then Petrovsky really had like a wrestling edge. Yep. That was basically what sealed it. Um, Great fight. Like really terrible, but in the same way that I, I, I had to go back and rewatch um oh I'm gonna forget his name now. Light heavyweight, he just lost to uh to uh Kennedy in Zetchuku. Uh I'll find it. Okay. I think he's Romanian. Nikolai Negamariano.
1: Negamariano. Didn't he beat in such a cool Yeah, he he did actually split the city. Okay, that's why you that 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 was confusing. Oh, so. I Had to get the details right.
2: Yeah. I in the same way that I went back and watched that guy's fights and was like, oh my god. He yeah. rules. <laughs> These are terrible and violent and such a stupidly fun way of fighting.
1: Yeah.
2: That's Andre Petrovsky. Um I mean, I don't know. Nick Maximoff still looks bad, man. Like
1: Yeah. I mean he,
2: Petr- Petrovsky looks bad, but in a completely overconfident way. Yeah, Maximov looks bad in like a—he doesn't seem to believe that he's going to win until after the fight, and then he starts talking mad shit.
1: Yeah, he seems like a person who does not like fighting, but loves the fighter lifestyle. Yeah, and so who he has, loves winning. Yeah, well, I don't even know if it's loves winning, but just like you know, like he loves being around the Diaz brothers. He loves being in the gym and training. He loves the respect he gets. He loves all of those parts. And then he actually gets in the cage he's like, oh my God, I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This sucks. And then he gets through it all. And then he's back to loving the life everything else about the lifestyle.
2: Yeah, I mean I'll give him credit. He 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 hung super tough with Soriano.
1: Yeah. No, I mean he's, he's definitely got he has more stick-to-itiveness and grit and determination than I would ever guess based on his posture and body language
2: in fights. 100%. Um, and he had to deal with some really rough moments, getting his, his body just lit up, eating some big punches, and also just having a lot of his takedowns just shut down. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he's, he's clearly a very determined, gritty fighter.
1: Yeah, I guess in some ways, like you know, it's all he's—he's he's really taken on all aspects of the Diaz personality, yeah, <laughs> including the one where they just kind of talk about how much they hate fighting all the time, and often look like in fights they're not having fun mm-hmm. and don't enjoy it, and then immediately get on the mic and like talk a bunch of shit about everybody's ass that they can whip.
2: Yeah. Um. I don't know. I, I guess I'll take. I guess I'll take Maximov. Yeah, just because Petrovsky's so predictable on the feet, you got to assume a slight wrestling edge. Like Petrovsky's a solid takedown artist. I think he he's he's a better
1: shot grappler.
2: Uh, oh, shot really? wrestler and submission. Uh, I mean, well, I don't know.
1: Maximov's thing is that he's an excellent scrambler and like
2: well, that's really hard mean.
1: to out-grapple in a scramble.
2: That's what I mean, is when Petrovsky gets to a good position, you see really clean transitions to submission attacks. Yeah, okay. Maximov is more like, he might not get the super clean shot, you might get one of those attacks on him, but he is just going to continually squirm and worm his way until he is either back on a takedown attempt that he will not let go of, uh, or in top position. So I guess yeah. I'll take Maximov because I see he's gonna have to wrestle. He's gonna have relatively easy ins based on a big left-handed puncher, far more predictable than Soriano.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm expecting a really hideous ground battle, but I I think he clearly can do that. Yeah, he does I mean, not mind winning a hideous ground battle. Yeah, Maximov does a lot more competitive grappling than. Yeah.
1: Petrovsky at this point in his career, and it kind of shows in the cage. Like he's just—he's a dude who will just get into long scrambles and look to win out on positions over and over again. He might not hold them all, or you know, he might go for stuff that lets the position go, but he will just go back to winning the scramble again.
2: Yeah, and not offer much of a submission threat, which is what I really meant. Like as an actual finisher on the ground, I think Petrovsky has those instincts, and Maximov just isn't even thinking about it. Like, yeah. Unless you're, he's completely locked you down, and you're stuck, and then he can, then he has the luxury. But otherwise, it's a scramble going on, and he is scrambling the entire time. Mm-hmm. Slow scrambling.
1: Yeah, but Petroski also, like, I've seen him get tired. I mean, I've seen Maxwell get tired, but I see him fight really hard through yeah. getting
2: tired. Doesn't have the same effect.
1: And Petrovsky when he gets tired, he looks like he's on like the edge of death. Yeah. You
2: know, he's a fighter who relies much more on his explosiveness. Yeah. Maximov is a grinder to his core.
1: Yep. So yeah, I think Maximov can can put the grind on him and and win out.
2: How crazy it would be Nick Maximoff, three wins? Yeah, we see. Right. one of them over by by the way Soriano. That's a solid yeah. ass win. <laughs> yeah, it really is.
1: He was getting dialed up, standing in that fight. Got hurt and to the body,
2: still... like yeah. it just didn't matter. He just stuck to what he does.
1: Yep. Maximov opened at minus two fifty, is currently down at minus three ninety-five. Petrosky opened at plus two ten. He's currently at plus three oh two. I think that's too high. It's I, too I, wide. Too wide. I don't Maximov is not a he is not a hype train I am going to jump on until I see dramatic shifts. Yeah. I think this is a, a winnable fight for him, but Petrosky is, you know, like he Maximov also was touch and go with Cody Brundage, and I would yeah, say right. Petroski's better than that
2: and by the end Brundage was like almost was on the edge of starting to out grapple him on those yeah. takedown attempts yeah so yeah i don't think that's going to be petrosky like pulling out a late advantage
1: no
2: <laughs> but um he's he's Maximov is just not he's a he's a winning fighter but never really a very impressive one
1: yeah yeah pretty much all right, on that note, you can find me on Twitter at These time. You can find Connor on Twitter at BoxingBush. You can find both of us over at com. Give us a like, subscribe to our podcast. BloodyObo presents on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. All that good stuff. And stay tuned for UFC Vegas 55 home versus Vieira coming up next week. A fight card that, uh, yeah, it's, it's all right.
2: Good. It's not good. Come on.
1: Yeah. I mean, it has some some fighters I'm interested in, but not yeah. in any fights I'm interested in. No, I no, love no. watching Park uh, Junyoung Park. I don't want to see him fight Eric Anderson. Exactly
2: that they just ruined Junyong Park.
1: Yeah, um, I like you know. Uh, yeah, it's and it's weird you fight.
2: have that main event to look forward to, like Blachowicz. Uh, Rocket stands every chance of being dull, but come on, home the era. Yeah, that's who true. cares? <laughs> who cares? This fight is both has more interesting fighters and is better booked in matchup terms by far I think than next week's. I am not looking forward to it. Honestly, we have next week and then there's a week off. The depressed us might feel like a nice break, you know? Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, I will make it feel like an incredibly, you know...
2: It's going to feel like a year off.
1: I will make it break you as far as I
2: can. (laughs) It's going to feel like a whole year off. That's right. If your nefarious plan goes through.
1: (laughs) All right you all then thanks everyone adios
0: thank you for listening to this bloody elbow presents production to check out more of our content hop over to the bloody elbow presents soundcloud and itunes pages as well as subscribe to our youtube channel which is titled bloody elbow presents we are also on apple podcasts iHeartRadio, stitcher spotify TuneIn, overcast player FM and Amazon music. Just search for bloody elbow presents and you will get brand new shows throughout the week, including care. Don't care. The Mookie and crookie show, the MMA vivisection, the level change podcast, the sixth round post-fight show, sixth round retro, the MMA depressed us, Crookland's corner, exclusive fighter interviews, show money, and radio-style play-by-play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter, at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash Blog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com.